0: All right, are you ready? All set. Perfect. Thank you for joining us on The Change Artist, where we bring our listeners stories and great advice for leading and following through change from business leaders who are making a difference in their organizations. I'm your host, Alyssa Cox, and here on The Change Artist, our motto is, if change is the only constant in life, let's do better. And this season is all about transformation. Transformation is a word that gets thrown around a lot these days, particularly by consultants but what does it really mean? This season, we have a great lineup of business and thought leaders who are at the forefront of the theory and execution of transformation to help us shed a little light on what transformation is and how we execute it well. This week, my guest is Anu George, an experienced transformation leader who's worked with large multinational organizations like GE, Unilever, Morningstar, and AIG on global and enterprise-wide transformation. So Anu, how do you define transformation?
1: You know, if you think of the word transformation, I mean, if you look at the, the actual meaning of the word in the Oxford English Dictionary, it's about change and it's about significant change. And, you know, for me, the litmus test is, is it discernible to the eye? Is it discernible to how you feel? Is it, you know, do you actually feel that change? And if I go to that in an organizational context, to me, transformation is when the employees, the customers, the stakeholders interacting with the organization feel, wow, this is a different way we are working. It's a different way we are thinking. It's a different way of behaving. If you see those changes and it's palpable and discernible, then it's a transformation.
0: But is it always revolutionary? I mean, a lot of times we think transformation has to take you on this wild journey to someplace you never imagined. But many of our organizations aren't prepared for that.
1: So if you think of the word revolutionary and evolutionary, the difference is the span of time. And it varies from organization to organization and it varies from what you're trying to achieve. If you're going to come up with a completely different product or a different service, which requires huge investments, et cetera, that's going to take some time, but you still transform. So I give an example of Microsoft. You know, when Satya Nadella took over the company, he didn't transform Microsoft in one day or one year or one month, but he had a clear vision that we are going to make a change. We are going to make an impact on helping empowering people with technology. He started making a change on how Microsoft works with other organizations becoming more open about sharing and collaborating within the organization and with other people outside the organization. So it took a while, but it's a transform organization. The focus on the cloud, now the focus on AI, it's completely different from what Satya Nadella inherited from his predecessor. But you could have, you know, some changes which can be done in a very compressed way. I mean, Twitter is a change which is happening in a very compressed way. Elon Musk said, I'm going to come in and I'm going to change completely. I do not want so many people. This is the way we are going to look at it in the future. So the question really is what you're going to change, what is the degree of impact you're going to bring, and how much change can the organization take? and how much appetite the leader has to shake things up to drive that change without breaking too many things. It can take some time. It can happen very quickly, as long as it's, again, a radical change, a significant departure from what it used to be.
0: And I know you have experience in transformation across a number of different industries. Are there industry-specific trends that you've seen, or effectively... The process of transformation is the same everywhere.
1: The process of transformation is absolutely the same everywhere. I think there are common principles to transformation. Uh, there are common principles to being a you know a agile organization, uh, being nimble, uh, being innovative, experimenting uh, about how you bring about people and you know having a common vision and bringing people to that vision. So I don't think it really changes. I think what changes is. The degree of investments needed. So I look at something which is very capital intensive, like for example, setting up electric car uh, by Ford or GM requires a different degree of capital investment than someone setting up say an Uber kind of organization, which is more software oriented organization where they are trying to disrupt the organization through an asset light way. I think the rules and the principles are common. Uh, But the intensity required, the expertise required, the time period required, the cost required, the cost benefits that you can expect, the timeline required will change depending on the industry and what needs to be done.
0: And how, if you're an incoming transformation leader, do you deal with a sentiment within the organization that says, we'd love to transform, but you just don't understand we're just too special and too complex to transform. Because every organization that I've gone into to do transformation, this is from some corner of the organization, the narrative. And I sit back and I say, everybody believes they're special. Everyone can transform, but we're on a journey. It's not going to be overnight. What's your experience in that space?
1: I think in my experience has been you have to find that believer. And sometimes a believer may be right on the top. And if you are, you're really lucky. And sometimes a believer may be somebody who's junior, somebody who's a peer. But what you have to always show is that difference. Did you move the needle, whether it's big or small? Seeing is believing. And I deeply believe in that. So when I have drawn uh, done transformation, I have really leveraged the promise of showing something good. So I normally take my teams to other organizations if they've done something really good saying, look, we could emulate this, let's go back and discuss how we can apply this to our organization. Or I start a small experiment in one part of the organization and then showcase it to the rest of the organization. So people who say we are different, we are special, they're not always doing it because they want to protect the territory. There are people who do that too. But nine out of 10 times they're doing it because they haven't seen something better. And they're too scared that you're going to break what's working well for them. And it's even harder to transform something that's already working well. So if you show them something different and better, then they are probably going to say, oh, wow, let me try that. The cost ratios are completely different over here. The customer experience is completely different over here. Oh, my God, I should try that. The growth trajectory this organization on is completely different from mine. And we are in a similar industry. Let me see what they are doing and let me emulate. So I think you really have to show them something better.
0: But then how do you balance that need for innovation and always striving for something better with the need for some kind of of stability? It can be very hard to transform from a moving baseline to what then turns into what feels like a moving target
1: you know first of all i think people must stop thinking like this because the era we are in calls for change all the time i mean look what's happening with generative ai and god forbid any company any leader who's not thinking of the impact of generative ai they're going to be totally left behind and this is just the start i mean chat gpt's just come in bard is come in but you have anthropic, which is there are other large language models that are coming that are even more powerful than what we are seeing today. So it's going to completely disrupt. So you this, this question, sh- people should stop asking this question. I think the question that should be asked is, how do I continuously improve and transform because I won't survive otherwise? And I think the analogy I always draw is a plane reflu- refueling midair. You know, the plane is flying it's lawn gas which is akin to it. there's an organization doing well but there are other environmental factors forcing it to change and if it doesn't change it's going to crash just like the plane needs fuel this organization needs change and if you think of plane refueling if you see and if you study it you have pilots who are very experienced you know who are flying the plane and the you know, the fueling plane pilot is also very experienced it's very well orchestrated It's very well coordinated, and they slow down a little bit. They're not driving, they're not flying at the jet speed while the fueling is happening. So you have to pick your spots where you want to transform, and you have to put your best people over there. You probably have to slow down that area or carve out that area separately to do that experimentation and bring it back to the main organization where the change has to be embedded. But you have to think about it and see how to make it happen. It's no longer a a dichotomy. I think there's a singularity between running an organization and transforming an organization. It's no longer two different things. It's the same thing. So you just can't run organizations unless they're continuously changing and evolving.
0: But if we take a long-term view of transformation and a long-term vision, which is critically important to get people excited, right? Nobody gets excited about sort of the tactics as much as they get excited about the why, right? The Simon Sinek why or the vision. Where are we going? All right. And where we're going for that to be big enough and compelling enough, it's likely a long-term vision and transformation take can take quite a long time to to build. How do you balance that with the need to report for public companies to report on a quarterly basis and sort of the quarterly earnings cycle and quarterly pressure to justify the investment that you're making in transformation?
1: You know, that's a good question. That's that's uh, that's a really good question. And honestly, the street is also patient and the analysts also patient with transformation if you know what you're doing and you're delivering quarter by quarter. So Again, transformations are not long-term magical thinking that, hey, I'm going to go into this new market or I'm going to bring Gen AI and, you know, do all these things and I'm going to invest billions or I'm going to move to the cloud and I'm going to get this benefit. You really have to plan it to the T in the sense that, okay, these are my investments. This is the expected saving I'm going to have. This is the expected growth I'm going to have. And you have to constantly monitor that change to say, well, I was thinking of doing this. I made these investments. It's not giving me these returns. Maybe I need to shift or maybe I need to stop my transformation and rethink the transformation. I mean, organizations that have done extremely well, our organizations have a real close eye on how the transformation is going and what's the impact it's bringing. And they quickly shift gears if they feel this is not going the way they're supposed to go. And they're very transparent and open about it. Also, organizations that transform really bring in their employees and they constantly communicate what's the benefit to the employee. So if there is no benefit to the employees in making the experience better, making the jobs more interesting, it's going to stall or you're not going to get the participation. So long story short, I think it requires a couple of things. One is it requires communication to key stakeholders on what to expect. And it requires a close eye on what it's delivering, you know, based on the initial plans and commitments that were made. And the third one probably is, and can you be nimble and agile, Uh, you know, shift course to course correction, if things are not going the way they're supposed to be going.
0: This idea of long term magical thinking is near and dear to my heart. Oftentimes, I think consultants get branded with having this long-term magical thinking, not rooted in reality, but simply rooted in satisfying wishes, wants, and desires from a narrative perspective of the people that are paying their bills thats true and selling big engagements. But these are organizations that have seen, in many cases, have seen us come to an end point with some of these big, expansive, really revolutionary or leading edge transformations. In your experience, how do you tell the difference between magical thinking and a big vision that is, in fact, rooted in executability.
1: I must say, honestly, sometimes it's hard to decipher initially, because the the promise of transformation is sometimes you do not know what you do not know. You are going off, if I would say, on the edge of a precipice sometimes, thinking that when you jump off, you're going to fly, and sometimes you do fly. So you don't always know. Like I really very keenly observe Twitter and what Elon Musk is doing. And there are lots of opinions on Elon Musk, that he's breaking the organization. And, you know, it, it is breaking in many parts. I mean, you saw that the Santas launched and it was, uh, you, know, you know, terrible. But this could be just steps that are happening. We don't know what's really happening inside to really rebrand and reshape Twitter into the vision that Elon Musk has for Twitter. So initially, it's hard to say, but you can say or quickly or a period of time if you start seeing the same trend happening. So month on month goes and the vision, there's a huge gap between the vision and what's being achieved. And that's not per plan. So if you keep seeing that, you know that something's not going right and it needs a course correction. Transformations many a times are leaps of faith. I've seen so many companies who said, let's go to the cloud. And there's this magic, you know, we are going to get so much of probably cost reduction and we'll get flexibility. We use the servers only when we need them. We We can flex our capacity. It's not so easy. It's actually pretty expensive going to the cloud because you have to actually recast your technologies and your apps to be suitable for the cloud and to be optimized for cloud. That in itself is a big cost. And you still have your data servers as you're moving to the cloud. So for a long while, you have duplication of costs. But cloud does give you a whole ton of benefits. Now, if you really had the right vision, you would say, what else would I do because I'm going to the cloud? The, tra- the transformation is not moving to the cloud. Is Transformation is redesigning your business and your processes because you have the benefit of the cloud. So it is a lot of leap of faith. A lot of organizations learn also along the way. The magic is, can you course correct? Or do you have the courage to say, gosh, this is completely wrong. Let's just stop it. And let's, whatever dollars we have already invested, we have to write them off. Hard decisions to make, but that's what happens. It's, it's really hard right at the outset to say, you know, this won't work or this will work.
0: And then how do you, particularly in the face of, of employee turnover, because none of our organizations are going to be completely stable from a, from a staffing perspective over the long term, we'll see people come in and out, even senior leaders. How do you maintain that enthusiasm for the vision and that, that forward-moving effort and trajectory? and sustain that for the duration of the time needed to execute the transformation? Or is transformation and those are those visions always sort of bound to individual leaders and as leaders turn over, the vision changes?
1: For a large part, transformations are tied to the leader, for a large part. If you see the key champion at whatever level, whether it's at the divisional level or it's at the CEO level or whatever, whoever is a champion, it's... Tied to the person who believes in that transformation and you take that person away, it will lose its momentum. There is no two ways about it. It may still stick in the organization because you have now shifted, you know, you have made some dramatic changes and some of them have stuck. So some things will stick and continue in perpetuity, but that momentum that you need to really drive a deep change will start dissipating when the champion behind it changes. And that is why if you have to drive a transformation, you got to have commitment from whoever is behind it and a time commitment. And leaders who believe in it will stick with it. So that's something you really want. You may have people who are executing on the transformation probably come and go, but you want that leader to be the believer and the key people who are driving it to be there. And I think the... You know, like I, I look at, again, Apple. Steve Jobs is gone. Apple still is one of the world's best companies. But Tim Cook has taken it in a slightly different direction in the sense it's not as innovative as it used to be. But he's done a very good job on monetizing the the technologies and the products that he has. He's done a superb job in supply chain. You know, that's been his biggest strength and operational excellence. He's done a very good job in you know partnering with other organizations in the ecosystem uh, and also you know giving dividends and you know looking after the shareholders so he's done a very good job with the stock price as well so he's still made, made he's built on what steve jobs has done he's not dismantled it but it's not a steve jobs form anymore so you really need that leader who believes in it to take it to that level it some parts will remain in perpetuity but you need that leader
0: and how do you know if you have true followership in the organization for the vision that you've set up to support your transformation?
1: I think you the the way I look at it is in every organization there are these influencers and people who have influence and control and if a good part of them are true believers and doing it and not just because you put it in their goals and objectives you know, that is happening. So I think that's the magic of Apple. Like Apple, the the employees are believers, like all Steve Jobs key leaders were believers in that vision, including Tim Cook. But I also look at, I came from GE, and we had this whole Six Sigma push in the Jack Welch era. And I think some of it was, people were just doing it because they wanted to kind of say, yes, I'm doing this, you know. Uh some of it really stuck. There are like parts of G which still do Six Sigma very well, aviation, healthcare, et cetera, but not across the board. So I, I think it's a it's a question of what percentage of your key influencers and leaders have believed in it. That's number one. The second one is to what extent have you made an impact to the day-to-day lives of the employees? So I've seen in GE, Six Sigma made an impact to a lot of employees, like their lives got better, the processes were better, they were learning new things on how to drive change as they did Six Sigma. So that's why it had still quite a few believers, basically. But if it doesn't bring impact, people are just going to do it because the boss is saying. And as soon as the boss stops saying it or the boss changes, they're going to go back to square one.
0: Fair. So I have one more question for you before we run out of time here. And that is, how do you know as you're leading transformation, how do you know when you're done? Or are you ever done with transformation?
1: I think you have to look at everything in life in stages and chunks. I again go back to, because I just love what Satya Nadella has done with Microsoft as what Microsoft is doing. You know, he really wanted to, his vision was, leverage technology to empower people and be their best basically. And he's kept that vision, but it has kept moving like he moved into the cloud, he started partnering with other organizations. Now he's got into Gen, EI, which is going to be different than moving into the cloud. It's it's the phases of transformation that he has he has adopted basically. If you look at again Amazon, right? started as a bookstore, then it became the store for almost everything. As they were doing that, they came up with AWS cloud. So that business has also evolved. Then they went into a lot of innovation. These days, I think they're cutting back on some of that. They went into things like, you know, the Amazon Echo and stuff like that. So I think it's a question of you're never really done, but you're done with certain phases. You reach a certain degree of maturity, if that's the word I should use. And then you say, okay, if this is my vision, what's the next thing I need to adopt? to take it to the next level of maturity. So I think that's the way you have to look at it. I don't think transformation, any company has ever done transforming. You just can't, right? The world's changing so much around you. So how can you? But you can say, okay, I'm done with this and now I'm going to move into this. I've seen so many organizations saying, I'm really going to focus on costs. I'm going to streamline my organization. Now I'm going into a growth mode. Or organizations saying, I'm going to go into a full, full steam growth mode I've grown so much, now I need to scale my organization, I'm going to look at my costs. So it's different stages of transformation that you focus on.
0: I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us today, Anu. I know I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. If you've enjoyed our conversation here today and would like to hear other episodes in the series, you can visit us at blueswiftconsulting.com or follow the show on your favorite podcast service. Thanks again, Anu.
1: Thanks, Alyssa. My pleasure. It was wonderful chatting here.